Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. The early group kind of reminds me of my 8 o'clock classes. I always tell people that type thing. You teach eight o'clock classes, you get used to talking to people who are asleep. I'm just kidding. I'm just they were they were they were awesome group of people. How many TCU people are out here? How great is it watching the Baylor grad have to do the frog? I just I know he's all he's like gung ho TCU. I think that's just awesome, man. It's uh, I tell you, it's interesting when I came to TCU. It's Texas Christian University, and they, when you're in the interview, they will tell you this. They will say that the, uh, the, the, the C can be as big or as little as you want it to be. So I decided to capitalize it. I don't know about y'all. So, I mean, I just think God's doing great things at TCU. And I just want to say this because I'm in the college service. Uh, our, our TCU students from this church are rocking the campus. I mean, like, like rocking the campus. I cannot tell you how many stories that I've heard back from people. And they don't know that I go to Antioch type things. And it's like, man, that's our people right there. I'm like, those are my people. Yeah. You ever just feel like, don't you love getting people? That, those are your people kind of things. So I, uh, this is like my service. I'm more comfortable now. I come in, this is, I did a 1030 thing. I'm awake now. I had a coffee cup somewhere. Somebody stole. I'm three cups of coffee in. So hold on. I'm like some of your worst nightmares. I am. Uh, I'm a college teacher with three pages of notes, right? And like, and like 20, oh, my, my, my clicker's not working here. So I don't know how long I have. So. Anybody have a roast in the oven? We're good, kind of thing. So I don't know that type of thing. I love when you get a microphone. There's not much they can do once they give the microphone. I was worried that I messed up in the first service and Jamie would just take it off of me, like leave, right? But he let me come back and talk again, so I didn't fill out. And it's hard when you teach communications at TCU. So like one of the classes I teach is speech communication. So I have to get up in front of future students and talk. So I just picture one of you in the future coming in about November with a C in my class going, you know, I heard you at Antioch, you weren't so much at speaking either. <laughs> That's kind of like, oh, man. Um, so how, how many people have my class? Is that one of you here? Jacob? Man, I'm telling you, that dude is a rock star right there. He's awesome in my class. One of my favorite classes I've ever had and got to teach at TCU. Is speaking at college is easier than speaking at church. Right? So if I mess up at college, you can't give a speech. If I mess up here, I'm scared you all leave atheists or something. And it's like, that's... That's kind of, there's like, like this pressure when you come in to talk about Jesus. If you mess Jesus up, that's really bad. Because I can remember, I taught at Carson Newman College, which is a small Christian college years before I came here. And you could, the speech people who were, uh, when they forgot to do their speech, you would always know. Because their informative speech would always be about Jesus. Because they're thinking, oh, I forgot. And they would give like the Jesus speech. And I gave a kid a C one time, and it hurt his feelings so much because it was totally unprepared, right? And I wrote on his thing, how could you make Jesus so unorganized and boring type things? So I, I don't want to be one of those, all right? And, and like so in all sincerity, I am so thankful to come and speak into a company of mature believers. And so for you who are leaders, most of you are getting sent places. The awesome thing about this is you are 100% released from the idea that you have to entertain an audience, Right? Because it's all ministry. You can just get up and just go straight into Jesus. And you don't have to be funny or sad. You don't have to play all the right chords and the cool things. Although you do that. you got a group of people. You get one note and they go straight into it. I remember when the first time I came into it, I did a, kind of a small group thing for several like weeks with James Albright. I remember you would walk in and uh, 
Michael Hernandez is there. Matt Brown's there, you know. And they do that like, they start praise music. And this is how you know you're, they turn the praise music on. Before I could stand up, Matt Brown's in the floor like that. I got to stretch and stuff. Like, I, this is how, this is how you know when you're old. I went, when you go to Six Flags and your favorite ride is the train. I knew I was old when I would have my kids and I am out England for the train. I'm like, the train looks good. Like, we will go, like, honestly, I just ride around on the train the whole time. But by the time I got up, I, like I stood up, I look over, and, and Matt Brown's in the floor, like hands up, crying, tears in his eyes, and I don't even know what song we're singing yet, you know. And Hernandez is prophesying to everybody, and I'm like, man. So I, Hernandez might listen to this. This is my favorite Michael Hernandez thing. I said it this week. Uh, how short would The Exorcist be if Michael Hernandez was in it? <laughs> right? Demon shows up, like, be gone. Movie over. That was it. There you go, Mike. I don't know. Love that guy. Man. And uh, this is just kind of home to me. This is a church I walked into. The first time I walked into this place, like I had never met a person. Somebody walks up and prophesies, I can't wait to hear you teach here. Never met me. Me too. (laughs) They haven't asked me yet. I don't know how that's going to work. But maybe that'll happen type things. But God sees you and God knows what you're doing. He's awesome. And the first time I ever spoke in church, I was about 15 years old, and it was, uh, it was terrifying. I went to a church of about 15 people, and I remember walking to the front, and I turned around, and they had multiplied into thousands. <laughs> you know how you get into like, nervous type stuff? And uh, I, The first time I ever played music in church, I, just, I, I was playing for a lady, and I stopped right in the middle of the song. Cause I forget, and I just, she just looked at me like I don't. She like wanted to kill. You should never look at somebody like that in church, you know. And I just kind of leaned into the microphone, and I was like, "We're going to start over now." And that was my. And so I've had some bad experiences in front of people like this. But uh, and it's intimidating to get put in this series type things. Like when Jamie asked me to speak, I'm picturing, man, that's hard to get up. Jamie Miller is an awesome speaker. Like give it up for Jamie, right? And I, I say this every chance I get. I love listening to Jamie, but when he's not speaking, I breathe a sigh of relief. Because I know that there's a good chance anytime Jamie speaks, I'm going to have to fast or give more money. <laughs> and I'm like, type things. And I also, I, some of y'all are with me. You know the truth, right? And, um, and I'm picturing Micah. I, I wish I had a bobblehead Micah. I would just push it, and it would just go, Jesus, like that. And, I would, and it would just, because just, the leadership team here is absolutely amazing. I almost cry at this one. But if you find a better youth pastor than that. Oh, the kid. So, I mean, that ministry team's awesome. And then if that was not bad enough, this was the ultimate setup. I was thinking, that's bad. And then I find out they put me between Lindy and Kim. No, come on. If I've learned anything in this series, I will never make Lindy mad. I, I, I promise. I will never cause offense because I'm scared Jesus will show up in a vision to me. <laughs> I, mean, I would stay awake all night like, God, Jesus is coming to get me. He's going to show up. Lindy's mad. I'm telling you right now. And I, but I can remember back to this, this, the series from last year. You talk about patience. I can remember a series. You talked about the Lion King, right? How many people have been blessed by this firm footing stuff? Man, little buffalo, I'll never forget that kind of thing. I'm still at that airport, thinking about what it's like to fly off an airplane, leave kids, my gosh, 
special. I don't know if I can do that kind of thing. I'm, not, I'm just going to stay here and miss the ticket. But, but people give up some things for Jesus. It's just it's great to be in a company of people when you walk in. I think my firm footing idea started probably for me when I was somewhere around 14 or 15 years old at a church camp. And I had been to churches before, and I'm not running any churches down. Jesus loves all churches, and they're all good. But I had been mostly to the kind of churches where you go, and everybody talks about Jesus like he is somewhere else. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of space type things. And um, church camp was one of the first places that I ever went where you showed up, and it wasn't like you were going to talk about Jesus somewhere else. It's like he was there. Like when you walked into the door, like I was walking into his house, into the presence. And I learned a principle at that church camp, and that is the idea that intimacy with Jesus changes everything. It changes it all. I'm a, I'm a songwriter. And so you try to write songs and you put all these times into it and you, you try to write these deep and complex things. And then somebody sits down on the keyboard or a guitar over in Dallas, I think, and they write something that says, this is how I fight my battles. And as a songwriter, me, I'd be like, that's lame. And then God breathes on it. And you come in and it's like, this is how I fight my... Seven, seven words. And God breathes on it, and it's powerful. Why? Because that was birthed out of intimacy. And because intimacy changes everything that you do. When you do the Christian life outside of intimacy, it becomes the most hollow, hard, challenging thing in the world. And when you do it in intimacy, God breathes on things that are small. He takes seven words that don't seem to make any sense. They don't even rhyme. And it moves you. It will move you. That song breaks me. I'm pretty sure in Acts, I think it's around 26, Paul and Silas are in prison. They're chained up, about to die. And the Bible says they start praying and singing. I don't know what you think. When you preach, you can do it your way. I'm pretty sure they were together going, this is how I fight my battles. All right, turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 10. While you're turning there, the hardest place I ever to speak was a funeral. I got, to, I got asked to speak at my grandmother's funeral. My grandmother was 100. That's old. She told me that one time that life is all downhill from 97. <laughs> I'm like, it's pretty good. I got a lot to look forward to. I mean, 97, my, my little 97-year-old grandma worked in the garden and drove her car. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen. If I saw my 97-year-old grandma, I'm like, people are all in ditches everywhere because of grandma, right? And it, uh, at 97... She had this really bad fall. I said this in the first service. She had this fall and like just like just like crushed herself up, man. She did bleeding, blood everywhere, just drenched. My my mom and them found her. They thought she was gonna die. They took her to the hospital. They called the closest family in, which is my mom, my aunt, and me. We come in the room. I walk in and she looks, no offense to grandma, I mean, she's watching right now, but she looked pretty bad. No offense, grandma. Right? I mean, just blood, it was just terrible. I thought she was like in a coma or something. And and you could hear her little weak voice when I walked into the room. She looked at me with eyes and she's like, Chris, is that you? And I'm like, oh, Grandma, it's me. And she said, come here. And so I leaned into my little grandma, and she's like coma toast. I get really close, and she leans up in the bed. She says, Chris, are you praying for me? And I'm like, Grandma, I'm praying for you. And I promise you, she looked at me next, and she said, you're not doing a very good job. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, what do you say to that? I'm going I'm to try harder, Grandma. I'm going to step it up next time. I should have just called Annie on right then, right? I'm calling Jamie next time I pray. Jamie, Grandma's mad. I don't know. But at like 100, she dies. And so when Grandma died, I got asked to speak at the funeral. And they asked two of us to speak at the funeral. And part of it might be because I'm a communications teacher, but I think that part of it was because I knew my grandmother very, very well. And I knew her very well. I was intimate with her. She was my card partner. If you played the wrong card, she would look at you and make a noise kind of like this. 
Now, she did that, you knew you had messed up completely, really bad. And I realized that when you get to speak at a funeral, if you know them very, very well, you can share intimate stories that other people don't know. Because there's a connection that comes out of intimacy that you don't have when you're only in casual relationship with people. And I wonder how many people can come to church and enter into casual relationships with Jesus, but they never get into the deepest moments of intimacy that God wants you to experience. Because intimacy changes everything. Luke chapter 10. I'm going to start reading in verse 38. I borrowed my son's Bible. These are little bitty words right here. Gosh, these things are little. They got littler as you get older. I don't know how that happened. Right? The print used to be really big or my eyes worked better. Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Somebody say Martha. Martha. All right, so I'm going to get half the room to be Martha. Y'all had to be Martha over here last time. You get to be the good one. College kids. Martha, right here. All right. Everybody say Martha over here. Okay, we got a Martha. That's one of them. She had a sister called Mary. Y'all say Mary. Mary. All right, that's good. We got a Mary group. So we have a? And a Mary. Okay, that's good. All right, we go. Um, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted in all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? This sounds like my kids in group projects right here. I get, they always show up at TC. Don't you know I'm doing all the work and they're not doing anything at all right there? And then Jesus said something. It's what he says in verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha. You know when you get two named, that's bad, right? I don't know where you grew up. When I grew up, if they said your middle name, you want to just run. If I hear the word Christopher Todd, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. Right? Kind of thing. I knew that I had messed up. But he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you were worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. All right, let's pray as a group. Okay, we're all going to pray at the same time. We're going to pray two things. We're going to pray one, and I talk good, and I say the right stuff. And we're going to pray that y'all hear good. And if I can talk, let the Holy Spirit come through me, and if y'all can let the Holy Spirit anoint your ears, miracles can happen in a place. Like God will show up and change things. And I know that for some people, I get it because you're having like a great day and it's fireworks week, but there are some people that woke in here broken. And, and, it's, and from up here, you all look the same. I don't know which ones are which, but Jesus does, right? And I'm really, I was convicted some time ago. Like, I've got a pretty good life, and things are pretty easy most of the time, to be honest. And I remember I need to start praying like I had, I'm the one with the cancer. Or I'm the, I need to start praying like I'm the one that needs the miracle. I need to start praying that way. So if you're one of the ones that's ready for fireworks, I want you to, for the next 30, 40 minutes, to enter into, I'm going to help other people usher into the kingdom of God. So let's pray. Lord Jesus. I thank you, and I pray that you would come down and gift me to speak your words. And I pray that you would open up ears that they can hear your words, God. That they, and I know that in all of my insufficiencies and all of my brokenness and all the things, Lord, where I, I don't measure up, I know that you can breathe. If you can breathe on seven words and fight your battle, God, you can breathe on me to speak to people. And Jesus, you can, and I pray that you would breathe on the ears that have been closed. And I pray, God, that you begin to open up dreams that have been dead and that you send resurrection power at the end of this, and you let us be changed by the power of who you are. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. All right, first story. I've got three points. I'm a speech teacher. That's how I told you to do it, right? That was the introduction. Here we go. All right, now we're in the body of the speech. Point number one is it's an invitation that's bestowed. Martha, 
is one of the sisters. And Martha invites Jesus to come over to her house. That's a pretty good invitation, right? How many of y'all ever invited Jesus to come over type things? Like I would guess that in our group, most of the people have invited Jesus into your life. And you understand what it means to be a Christian. We're pretty good with invitations. The problem is a lot of us don't know what to do when he shows up. Like, what do you do when he gets there? So uh, I said, I'm just picturing like life group leaders right now. Or have you ever just invited somebody over to your house? I don't know about your house, but the truth is if you get invited to our house, that's going to be a cleaning day. That's when we're going to take all the stuff, go into massive cleaning. My daughter, August, I should introduce my family. Raise your hand just a little bit. I'm going to embarrass you a little. That's it. Christy, my wife, my awesome son, CJ. Um, they can mess stuff up. We can mess stuff up so good. My daughter is like one of those things out of a Dr. Seuss book that cleans, that can just clean things really fast. When she goes into clean mode, it's like she's almost invisible cleaning things. And if people are coming over, our people go into clean mode. Because when, when you have one room where you put all your stuff, right? And you hope nobody opens the door because if it does, it will all throw up into the room. It's like, it's like you're terrified. What's behind that door? And it's like, don't, nobody opened that door type things. So I just picture life leaders. You invite people over and you're going to get really busy cleaning things. And I remember that I grew up in a church that was all about inviting Jesus. We were cool with inviting Jesus over. We wanted God to visit us. We would pray it. Lord, this Sunday, let God just come and visit us. And it was years later that I realized that's not a very good prayer. Because we serve a God who doesn't want to be invited to visit. We serve a God who wants to be invited to move in type things. But we're so much more comfortable with visitation. Do you know why we're more comfortable with visitation? Because if God comes in to move into your life, he will move your furniture around right? How many of y'all are picky about the way things are? My grandma had a porch, and I'm, I'm so thankful that my grandma got really old before my kids were born, because she used to have really expensive things on the porch, and my daughter, August, would break them all the time, right? But, but my grandma could walk on the porch, and she would see something. You moved something. It was gone. And August used to, these little birds she would pray with. She'd break a bird, and we thought we didn't go, we'd try to put its head back on or whatever you could do, you know? My grandma could walk out of there. She'd notice anything that was moved type things. But when you ask somebody to move in, they start making the place look like theirs type things. If you want to know who, like, what kind of person you are, go to a hotel for three days and look around. Because your room will start looking like you type things. It will, right? And so, but, but you have this invitation. Mar Martha was wonderful inviting Jesus in. And I can't even believe this. Can you imagine inviting the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, into your house? And then when he gets there, you get too busy to hang out with him type things. What would that even be like? Uh, Jesus is doing stuff, and the Bible says that she is so, she's so busy with preparation, she's not even in the same room with him that she's doing things. And I just picture people in the kingdom. I picture people that get so busy doing service and doing ministry that you get to the point that you've got all these kinds of things, and you've missed the absolute most important thing in the world, and it's intimacy with Jesus. And I, I kind of always made fun of Martha in some ways. <laughs> And I started thinking, why in the world, what would lead somebody to have this Martha-like spirit to the extent that Jesus is in the house, but you're too busy? And I thought one of the things is it's probably like she wanted to impress him with her food. Good cooks. You ever try to like cook for people and impress them type things? So the first time my wife ever cooked for me, I thought we were probably, I met Christy when I was 14 or 13, 13 and 12 at a small church in Bay Village, Arkansas, which is like you have to drive towards town to go hunting type things. And uh, she went home that night. She told her grandmother, she said, I, I met the boy I'm going to marry. I didn't talk to him, but I saw him across the room. And we got married at uh, 22 and 21. We've been married 25 years. It almost ended very early on, though, I'm going to tell you, because uh, the first time she cooked for me at her house was a big deal, went over. Her mom was the best cook in the entire world. And Christy, she probably spent hours on this. 
I mean, she had slaved in the kitchen. She, I came in, and I was just, it's all my favorite foods, which is mostly all the food. I don't know. I, don't know about I like the food that can't run away from me where I can eat it. I'm pretty good with all that. And she's got this whole smorgasbord of things just like laid out in front of me. And her family's eating, and I had, man, it was like 14. I'm from the South, like in Arkansas. We have like 14 vegetables, you know, and everything's fried somehow. And I, and I start just digging into this, and I'm going to tell you, I can come down here, can I? It was the worst thing I've ever tasted in my whole life. Like, I'm getting sick. And I'm looking at these people like, you like that? And it's just, I can remember I had a baked potato and all these kinds of things. And at some point, like, I'm just like, I'm just picturing the rest of my life like, well, I'm finally going to get skinny because I ain't getting fed. I don't know how this is going to work. And uh, at, one, at one point, I think it was, I, don't, I think it was Christy or your mom walks over by me and they're like, what is that smell? And I'm like, I don't know. And it, what had happened was um, I, had, I was the only person that ate a baked potato and I put some sour cream in it, like those little packet things. Check the expiration date of that. It was like three years old. Nobody else was eating that. I didn't know what it was that was bad. So I was so in love, I just kept eating. I didn't know type things. I just, I wonder if she wanted to impress her with what, what she cooked. I wonder if she thought, have you ever tried to impress Jesus with what you do type things? And, and it's funny because we have a heavenly father. And I learned about, a lot about being a father when I had kids. You know, you, you put the art of your kids like on your refrigerator. Like every parent thinks their kid's art's amazing. Like I don't know why people didn't buy my kids pictures, stick figures of things. But when you get to be a parent, at some point you realize it's not about the art, it's about the artist because you love them so much. And there's nothing that you can do to impress Jesus with the way that you do things. But I really believe this is the reason. I like it down here a lot better. I would get down there, but I was forbid. I'm just kidding. Um, I think the reason that she got so busy in the house was because she knew if she ever got too close to Jesus, he would see her. I think that if she got so close to Jesus that there were parts of her that were so broken, she said, if he ever looks in my eyes, if I can stay busy, maybe I can impress him with what I do. But if I ever get in a moment of intimacy, he'll see into my heart. And there are always parts of us that we want to hide from Jesus. Isn't it weird how we run from the one who can heal us so oftentimes with our brokenness and we try to hide things? And I think it's so cool that we, have, we serve a Savior. Remember that story where Thomas comes to him? And Jesus says, you can touch my scars, touch these and believe. We serve a Savior who revealed himself to the world by his scars and didn't try to hide anything at all. But most of the time we try to hide our scars and our wounds. And sometimes you can hide it with busyness. I think it's interesting in this story that one of the things it says is this. It says that when she goes to Jesus, and this is how you know you've got a, Mary, a Martha spirit. You know you're a Martha if you go to Jesus praying like God fixed the other person. How I many of y'all, y'all pray that? Every married person, raise your hand right now. Like, Lord, except for Lindy's person, because you might get a dream, but I'm just telling you. The, uh, I can remember early on praying, like, God, fix Christy. Lord, we will get together and fix her type things. And every time I ever did that, the conversation and the Holy Spirit came back to me on how I could fix me. I even stopped having that conversation. I just start with, Lord, fix me. It's not her. I know it's how it works. But you know that there's a Martha part of you when you start comparing yourselves to other people. She's not doing anything. You know you have a Martha if you're in leadership position when you can't understand why other people's ministries don't look like yours. And if you think about it, this is how you know when you're in a Martha. When you're more concerned with building your house than you are with building this kingdom, you've got a Martha spirit. And she's in the house. Think about what she's missing. I can't believe y'all did this. you Martha's over here. You invited Jesus, the king of the world, to come in. You got so busy you could never see him. And, and, and some people, like, if you have the Martha thing, they get kind of offended. Like, I, I talked about this at one church, and a lady came up to me later, and she said, I tell you, the whole time you were speaking, I thought you were just totally wrong. 
And then you get to that one verse at the end where Jesus actually said you were right. Because where he says, Martha, you're not doing the best thing. It's a Mary thing. But there's a second sister, Mary. So Mary is the world's worst hide-and-go-seek player, okay? Because you can always find her at the feet of Jesus, right? It's like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Go find them. I know where Mary's at. She's at Jesus. You ever have kids that always hide at the same place type things? That, that's her. She's easy to find. In this story, it only says two things about her. The first thing that it says is it says that she was at the feet of Jesus. And the second thing it says is that she listened to his words. You invite him over and get so busy you don't even hear anything. And Mary falls at the feet of Jesus, and she's eye to eye. She can hear the whispers of heaven. What kind of mysteries do you think that Mary had because she was close? They say over 80% of your communication is facial expressions, and she's so close that she looks into the eye of a person in the kingdom, and she hears things in heaven. And there's going to be a time in your life when it's not enough to be an other-room Christian. You need to be a person that finds the feet of Jesus and intimacy. And it's an amazing thing to think about. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody who's in the other room? I, I do not know why I feel the need to do this. I try to talk to people in our house as if they're right beside me and they're in the other room. And eventually Christy will come in and she'll be like, I didn't hear a word you just said. I was in the other room. And I just wonder how many bits and pieces of stories that you hear when you're Martha. But when you're Mary, you heard it all. When you're Mary, you heard things in the kingdom of heaven. I just think that when you get to that place in your life, it's not enough to be an other room person. Is that good? Everybody good? Story number two. Turn over to John chapter 11. I'm going to paraphrase this for time's purposes. And if I mess up, Jamie can fix me later. But you can't be mad because we've learned about offense and next week you're getting forgiveness. So I'm good. <laughs> Total side note, how cool is God that he starts with offense and, and you have to go through intimacy to get to forgiveness. But I can talk about that later. But I just think that's pretty good stuff. John chapter 11 is the second story about two sisters. It's Mary and Martha, but there's a third person in the story. His name is Lazarus, their brother. So at this point, Lazarus is dead. And the Bible says that Mary and Martha called for Jesus to come because their hope that Jesus would get there while he was sick and that Jesus would pray over him and he would heal him. But just like Jesus usually does, he's late. You ever notice that? Like Jesus is the one person that's got the easiest answer to that job application. They're going to ask you this question when you graduate. What's your greatest weakness? Jesus can just go, it's time. I never show up on time, but don't blame him because he came from a place they don't even have time, right? And I've just noticed that he, and he doesn't ever show up early for things. It's kind of, and I kind of like that because I don't show up early for things. So when I'm late, you go, what are you doing? I'm going, I'm being like Jesus, right? That's good. So Lazarus is dead. The Bible says for four days when Jesus shows up. He shows up four days late. And the first person that shows up to him is Martha. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when things go wrong in my life, the Martha part of me shows up to Jesus first sometimes. It does. It's the religious part. It's the good confession. I can say all the right things. Martha shows up and this is what she says. Jesus, if you had been here, you could have risen my brother. You could have done it. That sounds really good on the outside, doesn't it? If you'd have been here, I could do it. You ever notice that sometimes you can sound really good on the outside, but on the inside, things are just all messed up? So my wife, Christy, is a wonderful person. Everybody just smile at Christy. She kills pets. Accidentally. It's not intentionally. She's not hunting your pet. Don't worry, right? But she's a pre-K teacher, and she's not really good with animals. She's good with, I don't know why, 
They go to her classroom and they die. Basically, her classroom is like a, it's like a morgue for pets, if you think about it. And, and even It's like God has got a terrible sense of humor because they require pre-K teachers to have pets, so she has to go get one. The first one that she took actually was a, a hamster. She took, it was, actually, it was August's hamster. She called me. She said, can I take August's hamster to school? I said, that's a bad idea. But she did it. She called me around lunch making that sad cry. You know this one? <laughs> that one? She's like, blueberry. Blueberry's the hamster. It's dead. And I'm like, oh, Lord. I have no sympathy. All I can say is I'm not telling August. That's it. I'm not telling her at all. She, uh, she had a hermit crab, which you think you couldn't kill. Killed it. Dead as a hammer. Then crawled around dead. And she did what every great teacher would. She went and bought another one and just put it in there and didn't tell the kids. Why did it change color, Miss Christie? I don't know. It's a chameleon. I don't know how it did that. And so after a lot of reflection, she finally found something she couldn't kill. We bought a beta fish. Like a beta fish, like we finally found something. So she put it in a bowl. She put it up really high where the kids can't get it. And it really, it was to the point where I would go with her to pick things out and I could, animals could pick your nonverbal language. I could see animals looking at me like, something's wrong here. You know, and those dogs are like, pick me, pick me. We walk in, they're like, eh, I'll get somebody else. You know, so he got the, uh, she, she buys a beta fish and they named this fish Azul. And I'm like, I'm like, I look at the fish one time. Like, you think fish don't have personality. It looks at me like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm sorry. But she kept it alive. Like, she didn't kill the fish. Like, really, it was like September, October, November. She brought the fish home for Christmas. I mean, she, she got to clean the fish tank out and the whole thing, take the fish out, you set it there. And this fish is like the coolest fish you've ever seen. She bragged on it. I didn't know how cool it was, so she got it home. So she cleaned the tank out. She puts the fish back in. This fish comes out of the water and does backflips, like, like a trained orca. And, and Christy told this story like this. She said, I was so excited because our, our fish had learned tricks. She's like, I'm going to go back to pre-K and they're going to get to watch my fish do tricks type thing. So it does that about three or four times. She says once. I think it's about four or five. It lands in the water dead. And she's like, oh, wait, that's not good. She reaches in to touch the fish and she scolds her hand. She had accidentally put hot water into the bowl, and she cooked his oil. But this is the lesson I want to learn from that. Sometimes you can look real active and real cool and be really busy and be dying. I've met, I've met a lot of people in ministry that look real busy, have a lot of activity. They can chalk stuff up and on the inside. They're dying. And you can't tell it from the outside in. It's very difficult to see. That was what Martha was like. But Mary was different. Mary, Mary's over here hanging out at the feet of Jesus, right? And they needed a miracle. So Martha's the first one to show up. Martha shows up. And she gives the confession. And this is what Jesus says to Martha. He says, uh, where's Mary? Now, we know that because she goes to Mary and what she says this is in uh, John chapter 11. She says, the master is looking for you. He wants you. And it's interesting when the religious part of you shows up first, what I think Jesus says to all of us is, where is your Mary? Where is that part of you that's going to come to the feet type things? And so she goes and she tells Mary, Jesus, how, how hard would that be? Like the ultimate slam, go get Mary. So he goes to Mary. And so this is what happens. That's how I want to illustrate this. Let's imagine that this... It's Lazarus, okay? It's my dead thing. When they asked Jesus to come, Jesus started walking towards 
If I'd have been Jesus, I would have came a lot later. I'd have waited until there were cars so I didn't have to walk around type stuff. But uh, Jesus, Jesus is walking towards this thing. The Bible says that Martha came out and Martha meets him outside of the city. And they have that conversation. And what he does is he stops and he says, I want you to go get Mary. And so she goes to get Mary. And the Bible says that Mary went out to meet Jesus. And this is something you can miss if you don't pay attention. Is that it says when Mary came out, she found Jesus at the exact same place where Martha left him. So he's walking towards this thing that's dead. He meets Martha and he stops. Martha goes back and gets Mary. He says to her, where? Where's Mary? Where's the one that praises? And Mary comes out. And what's, people tell you that you know, trying circumstances, like they will um, build your character, and there's some truth to that, but it also very much reveals who you are. Because when Martha showed up, she showed up with that same kind of spirit she did earlier. But when Mary showed up, she sent up with the same kind of spirit she had too. She immediately falls to the feet of Jesus. And what's awesome is she says the exact same thing that Martha said. Lord, if you'd been here, you could have fixed him. But she said it from a different posture. She's weeping at the feet of Jesus. And I know that had to be a pretty good space for her because she's been at those feet before. Those are the feet that she heard. She heard mysteries. She's listened to his words. She's heard things that Martha had never heard because she took the time to become intimate with Jesus. When Martha showed up, Jesus said, where's Mary? When Mary showed up, Jesus said, where's Lazarus? Where is the thing in your life that's dead that needs resurrecting? And it was the spirit of, of Mary that ushered Jesus into the thing that was broken for a resurrection. See, I know in a group this big, there's a lot of people out there that have some Lazarus. You've got some things that are broken in your life. You've got some things that are absolutely dead, and you'll never get those things resurrected when you come in the spirit of Martha. It's only when you come in brokenness and intimacy and connection, and all of a sudden, he says, not, not where is, he says, where's your Lazarus? Where's the thing in your life that's so broken that it needs resurrected? And he goes on and he resurrects Lazarus, and there's a miracle that took place. There's miracles in your lives where Jesus will fight your battles, but he'll never fight it from a position of you being religious or being busy. He'll always Always fight it from a position of intimacy when you're close at the feet of Jesus. And it's interesting how you see different parts of Jesus based on how you approach him. When you showed up, when Martha showed up, if you'd asked her about what does Jesus think, they had a conversation. So she viewed Jesus as kind of the religious scholar. She viewed him as a really good teacher. When, she, when, when Mary showed up, he wept with her. And you'll only see Jesus weeping for you when you come in the spirit of Mary, when you come in a position of worship and intimacy, because you'll begin to see him absolutely differently when you put yourself in a position at his feet type things. Point number three, John chapter 12. Next story. So we had, a, we had an invitation bestowed. We had a miracle needed that took place, and then I want to talk about lessons learned. So this is a really cool story that took place. In John chapter 12, this is where Jesus goes back to the house of Lazarus. It's right before he's going to be uh, put to the crucifixion and raised. And on, as a side note, I thought it's really interesting that he went back to Lazarus' house first. Because Lazarus is a guy that was dead and got resurrected. I think it's good for you to hang out with people who have been through what you're going through because it gives you some encouragement. Jesus go, I'm going to the cross. It's pretty good to hang out with Lazarus because that guy's already been resurrected. And I think every time he's hanging out and he's going to the cross, he's like... I got this. I got this. And because he's seeing a miracle. And it's interesting, he went back to a place before the crucifixion that he had had a person of intimacy that came in and got at his feet. And, this, and what you'll find about Martha is just two words. It's like the writer's done with Martha. It only says this, Martha served. Done. 
but it turns to Mary. And this is the story where Mary walks in and she takes the expensive perfume and the anointing oil and she breaks it and she washes the feet of Jesus. And we talk about anointing him for burial, okay? And this is what the Bible says in John chapter 12. It said that the entire house had the aroma of this perfume, okay? The entire house smelled like Jesus. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you leave smelling like the restaurant? Like my wife could tell where you eat at by just smelling you. I don't have that kind of a nose. I'll walk in, she'll go, Mexican, huh? Right? Because there's something when you go into a room that the odor can absolutely get over you. This is one of the things I notice. I think is so awesome. Everybody in the house smelled like Jesus, right? Because he had this oil and this perfume on him. But, but Mary is the only one who had oil on her. And, and there will be spaces in your life that it's not enough to just smell a little bit like him. You're going to need oil on you. And there's a difference when you get so close in intimacy that you have the same thing on you that's like Jesus. That other room conversation doesn't take you to Thailand. It's when you get oil on you type things. Have you ever met people that have oil on them? And I'm here because of a girl named Jeannie Horsley. I can remember, it. she was that weird one in church. I'll never forget, when you don't grow up in church and you hear church stuff, it's weird. Have you ever, I mean, I remember I was not churched, and she was talking about being washed in the blood. I'm like, I think she's in a cult. I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> she was different than everybody else I ever met. She'd come in and testify to you about Jesus, and she began to talk to you. And, th- and I had met other Christian people, but she had oil on her. Her words were heavy. And I gave my life to Jesus because of her. I, I got to sit this, this semester at TCU. I was in a, uh, I was at the end of a class. I had a student said, Dr. Brady, talked to you and came in, you know. He's making an A. So he had that kind of sad look. And I'm like, you're passing. It's okay. And he's like, no, I need to talk about something else. He said, uh, he said you're a Christian, right? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus. He said, I need to talk to you. He said, I messed up. And I'm like, what's going on? This was his story. Man, he was, he was a Martha. But boy, he had a heart moving towards Mary. Yeah, you could tell. And he starts telling me this story. He's like, you know, I, I've got a lot of Christian friends. He said, I'm a born-again believer in Jesus. And this is something I need to make really clear. The, the Bible is really clear that Jesus loved, it even says this, Jesus loved Martha and Mary. So it's not like they're out of the kingdom type thing. You're good, don't worry. But, but Mary was doing the better thing. But he was like, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I've been in ministry. He said, but I'm missing something. And I'm like... Tell me more. And he's like, man, I even, he said, I even won an award this year because he won this award for like being one of the top like counselor type things at one of the life groups. And he said, but I realized at some point in there that I wasn't leading people to Jesus. I was leading them to me. And I'm like, well, how did you know this? He said, man, this is how I know. It. He said, I'm in, a, I'm in a group of people, about 12, 10 or 12 guys that just love Jesus. He said, but there's two of them, something different. I said, well, he said, this one guy, he said, his name's Matt Brown. I'm like, that's my person. Because that, that Sunday, I had Matt Matt Brown. Didn't know him before. I'm watching Matt in the floor. And in two seconds, I'm like, oh, you got wrecked by a guy that's got oil all over him. And he said, he, he, said, there's, he said, we all love Jesus. But, but that dude, he's like, isn't he one of your people? I'm like, yeah, he's one of my people. <laughs> and he said, there's something on him that's not on me type things. And, and there's a difference in having the smell of it and having oil on you. And oil only happens when you get into intimacy. It's when you come close and you have to put down some stuff. And the coolest thing about Jesus is you don't have to change to get to him. You come to him and then he changes you. He loves you so much like you are. He invites you. But he loves you so much he won't leave you like that. He will mess with your furniture. 
He'll even change your geographies sometimes. So let's all stand up. We have some music people. Take a second. Just let your let, let the Mary and you come out. Some of you, that's the most natural thing in the world, and some of you, it's a challenge. Just let the let the Mary part of you come out, because this is how we fight our battles. I can remember being at Waco the first time I heard that song, and just I was stunned by it for a second because I was watching people and I realized this is one of the lessons that you learn from Mary and Martha is that is that when you put yourself in Mary's position, Jesus fights your battles. Remember that first story? That first story you walked in, and Martha was like, what about Mary? And Jesus stood up and said, she's doing it right. In the last story, the disciples got really mad because she broke open the oil and started pouring on Jesus. And Judas was like, they're wasting a lot of money. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Because Jesus fights your battles. And then the last thing I want to say is this, is that when... When, when Martha went out to see Jesus, it doesn't mention anything about people. But when, when Mary went out, it said that people went with her. And when they got there, they believed in Jesus because of it. This is how you can tell the difference in Mary and Martha. When you leave a Martha, you'll say you've got a nice house. When you leave a Mary, you'll say you've got a great God. So, simple call. If you're a person that's got a Lazarus in your life, it's something's dead that you've given up on. You serve a God that does exceedingly abundantly above. And you can come down to altars for people who believe for miracles for you. If it's four days, some of you I think are four-day people. Like you had things that you believe God would do, you've given up on. You've even came to grips that God might not do it. He wants to resurrect things in your life that are dead. If it's marriages, if it's family, if it's friends, if it's callings, whatever those things are, come down and find miracles. And you come to the feet of Jesus. Secondly, some of you need to invite Jesus in. Maybe you've never invited Jesus to come in. You're just like, I've never done that. This is the most opening, loving place you could ever come. There's no judgment here. I've never seen people that can pray with freedom like these group of people pray for you. And then thirdly, maybe you're a person that says, man, I'm, I've been in the other room and I love Jesus, but I want to go to his feet. And I think sometimes that's as simple as walking from there to down here to the feet of Jesus. So anything that you need prayer for, I want to release you to just pray. And if you're a person that goes, man, I'm great, and it's the 4th of July and I'm ready for fireworks, then you pray for somebody beside you because there are people that need miracles in this room. So let's just pray.